And he spoke to us about the importance of Yira which comes before the Torah. And now he's going to talk about practically how to do it. And he says, Therefore, the way that a person should go about learning what Hashem wants him to do, every time a person prepares himself to learn, before he starts, he should stop, he should think for a little bit, even for a small amount of time, to prepare the year first. The year is Hashem to her, but that's one thing. A person should focus on Yer Hashem. The second point he brings, A person should misvade, should just uh, regret his avarice, but honestly, with real sincerity. And that's the first two steps. Focusing on Yer Hashem and doing a proper tshuva, that will cause his Torah afterwards to be B'Kdusha B'Torah. Another point, He should also have in mind when he's learning that this is his way to connect to Hashem through the Torah. It's nice to talk as being the Dvar Hashem. Hashem commands the Halacha. And by deciding up front that I'm committing myself completely to the, this understanding and to keeping the halacha. That's how a person connects to Hashem. Why? Because we're talking about Hashem and what Hashem's rot and what Hashem wants us to do. For, and from our perspective, it's the same. I'm going to explain. And therefore, every halacha is really saying, I can do this, I can't do this. They're saying, Hashem wants me to do this. Hashem wants me not to do this. And therefore, the focus on the is, what does Hashem want? I want to do what Hashem wants. And connecting to what Hashem wants, that's what Hashem wants, is the way I connect to Hashem. Whether it's kosher or apostle, we're talking about, uh, it's a mitzvah, it's either, I was Yotza, I wasn't Yotza, Tamei V'Tai, I'm talking about things which are Tai or Tamei, Asur Muta, I'm talking about the Surim, or Chayav Zakei, who's guilty and who's innocent. We're talking about Chashen uh, Mishpat. So this is Nefesh HaChayim Shit we mentioned before. The Dveikus means connection to Torah. Dveikus means connection to Hashem and understanding what Hashem wants. Understanding what Hashem thinks and saying what Hashem decrees. The more I connect to that, the more I know what it is, the more I'm binding myself to obeying it. That's how much I'm connected to Hashem. And therefore, the motivation in learning to know what Hashem wants, which is learning halacha, is dvekus. Because that connects me to this is what Hashem wants me to do. And the more I understand it, the more connected I am. And the Gemara says the Gemara says that, this, that in order to be able to come to a clarity in Halacha, what the Gemara calls the Sukhi Shmaita, Alibidilkhasa, to come to the Halacha, to come to the Sugya, Alibid Halacha, and Nitsyatadishmay. 
And the preparation for that, also the third point he brought, is the mindset that I'm learning in order to know this is what Hashem wants. And to know what Hashem wants, that gives me the Dishmaya to be able to come out with a halachic conclusion. Now let's explain this a bit, this idea, because not everybody does that. The Gemara says in Sait and the Chavtas that you can have a person who's keeping mitzvahs that's like a candle. A person who's learning Torah that's like the light. But a person doesn't know which direction he's going until he comes to a crossroads. And when he comes to the crossroads, he knows which direction he's going. And one of the Gemara's explanation of the crossroads is coming out of the sugya with the halacha lemaisa. Not everybody was echel to that. It seems like it's a special kayach that a person has to have in order to come to a halachic conclusion. And here Nev Shachayim is telling us that the way to get there is before one learns to focus on my motivation is to know what does Hashem want me to do. What's Ritzayinah? What's Hashem's intention? And that's what's going to guide how I'm a Kaim So on this topic, let's digress a little bit because there's there's something here which is a major principle. And that is why is learning Halacha or coming out of Halacha a more detailed stage than just learning? So let's go back a step. And let's talk about a concept which is often discussed. How can there be differences in halacha? And if there are, so then how do we know who's right and who's wrong? It's not just a question on the Rabbanim of today. Since the time of the Tanaim, there have been arguments about halacha. So we always say that it's not a question of right and wrong. The Gemara itself says, What does that mean? So the way I was explaining it is like this. We know how Kaddish Baruch wrote the Torah. We know how Kaddish Baruch is called Yacho. Now when Hashem writes the Torah, and He wants to make something clear, unambiguous, to the extent that nobody can argue with it. There's no other way of reading it. There's no other possible interpretation. Can Hashem do that? The answer is, of course. Those mitzvahs in the Torah, which are spelled out clearly, you'll never find an argument about. The Torah writes it in a way which doesn't lend itself to any other possible interpretation. No one's going to argue which day of the calendar Pesach is. No one's going to argue which day of the calendar Rosh Hashanah is. Nobody's going to argue that the Isra of Shatnas is mixing wool and linen. Why? Because all these things are written clearly enough in the Torah that there's no room for debate. There's no room for a second opinion. And if that's the case, then we have to come to the conclusion that all those times that there are arguments in Halakha are because if one looks at the Pasuk, the Torah could be read one way, the Torah could be read the other way. They're different perspectives. 
And if you look at the Pasuk, it could be that this is the way to read the Pasuk. And therefore, this is what the Torah ter- meant. And it could be differently. But the other position reads the Pasuk differently, and then that's what the Torah meant. That's where we have an argument. When things can be looked at from different perspectives, there isn't an absolute right. An undeniable way of reading it, which no one can argue with. And if that's the case, I have a question. And my question is, Hashem could write the Torah in a completely unambiguous way. Hashem could write the Torah in a way where there's no other possible way of explaining it. Alright, the proof is, in Simon Yomitsis, he did do that. And if that's the case, why didn't Hashem always do that? Why are there so many times in the Torah where it was written in a way which could be misinterpreted? Or I should say, differently interpreted. Why isn't everything written in a way which lends itself only to one explanation? The explanation Hashem wanted to be. Practically. There's no argument between any two Tanoim what a Hadas is. It's completely clear. There's no argument between any Tanoim what a Narav is. It's completely clear. But there is an argument in the Mishnah how many Hadassim and how many Arabas we need to take. There's a Shetra which says we need three Hadassim and two Arabas. And there's a thing that holds one Hadassim and one Arabas enough. Why would I think three? Because the Torah said three words, Anaf eight Arabas. And it came to the Arabas, it says in the plural, Arve Nachal. So the minimum plural is two. And the other people no, we're just talking about the 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 Arabas that they are, but I have to take one of them. So I'll ask you a question. If the Torah is already going to explain to us in detail what the four minim are, and I can say Anaf eight Arabas tells exactly what the, the men we're talking about, which is the Hadas. Couldn't the Torah just say Shlosha Anfe Arabas or eight Arabas or Shnei Arve Nachal? Then there'll be no, no room to argue. And the answer, I must say, and listen, this is important. The answer is, it has to be. Of course Hashem could have written the Torah like that. And if He didn't, and He wrote the Torah in a way which lends itself to multiple interpretations, what we have to understand is, that's the way Hashem wanted it to be. Hashem wanted there to be multiple interpretations for the Torah. And therefore, if two different Tanoim are going to offer different interpretations for a Pasuk, we're going to tell them, you're both right, and Hashem meant both. Hashem meant both of them. And if you ever wonder, how is it possible for us to accept that Hashem could have meant both, you know, that's not a question. I'll just give you an example from the Gemara. The Gemara asks the question, in Megillah, Esther went to the king to invite him to her party. Esther tells the king, I want Haman to come to. Now the Gemara asks, why did Esther want Haman to come to the party? What's he going to... He wasn't her friend. He was her arch enemy. So why did he invite him to her party? So the Gemara gets six different answers. She didn't want Tayshul to rely on Esther. They shouldn't bring Babylon to the palace. 
She wanted to find a way to trap Haman. She wanted to make Achashverosh jealous of him. Another answer to And the Gemara finishes this discussion by saying that one of them already met Eliyahu and Navi. And he said, Eliyahu told me the truth. What did Esther have in mind? And Eliyahu and Navi's answer to it was, she had all of those ideas in mind. So we see even by a person that they have a big argument in the later generation what they're playing, what they were thinking. And in truth, they're all true. They're thinking all of them. And therefore, any valid interpretation of the Torah was meant by Hashem when He wrote it like that. He knew how many ways it could be explained and He had them all in mind. That's what it means. They're all what Hashem meant. They're all parts of the, they're all parts of explaining what Hashem said. And if that's the case, when it comes to learning the Torah, none of them are wrong. When it comes to learning the Torah, they're all right. Because they're all valid interpretations of Torah, obviously, if we're not talking about a person who's making a mistake. But we're talking about a Tana, we're talking about an Amara. So every way of inter- in, uh, every position that they put forward is a valid interpretation of Torah. And therefore, if our focus was to learn, so the Torah could be explained like this, the Torah could be explained like that. And why would Hashem do it in such a way? Why would HaKadosh Baruch Hu write the Torah in a way which could be interpreted in so many different ways? The answer is not on a number of levels. Let's just talk about one today. And that is, we understand everything we do here is meant to have an effect in Shemai. And therefore the mitzvahs were given to us for the effect in Shemai that they meant to have. So when we put on tefillin, we're achieving one thing in Shemai. Or we keep Shabbos, we're doing something else in Shemai. Whatever the other mitzvah might be, it's having an effect in Shemai. And therefore, there's certain cases where the effect can be brought about in Shemaim in a number of different ways. And if that's the case, the Torah is true to the, the, the Amos, the Matthias, and the Torah will write that what needs to be done in order to bring the effect in Shemaim, and any valid interpretation of what the Torah is saying will have that effect in Shemaim. And therefore, the Torah is written accurately from Shemaim's perspective. This is what needs to be done to have the effect in Shemaim. It could be done this way, it could be done that way. Either way, it will have the same effect. And therefore, as far as Shemaim is concerned, any interpretation of Torah is a good interpretation. As long as it's obviously the interpretation of what the Torah meant. So the only question is now on the Psaq. It's very good that there are a number of options of how to make time what the Torah says, and let's accept the all that's say from Tanoim, and therefore the all acceptable ways of reading the Torah, what are we meant to do? And why can't we have it that everyone does what they want, because any of these methods is going to work? So here we have the principle of halakha that is created, which means even though it's true, each of these principles can work, but it's not meant to be that the Jewish people are all doing different things. We're meant to be serving Hashem together. And therefore, there has to be a decision which way we're going to do it in order to bring around that effect. Just to make this a bit easier for us to understand. 
Let's look at the famous example from Larizal. Larizal, as a Makubal who obviously knew what was happening in Shemaim, was asked by his students, we know that there's different texts of Tfilah. Nesach Ashkenaz, Nesach Sfarad, and this Mizrach, whatever it's going to be. So they asked Larizal, Larizal, tell us the truth. You know what happens in Shemaim. What's the correct Nesach Tfilah in Shemaim that HaKadosh Baruch Hu listens to? It has the effect in Shemaim. And Arizal's answer was, there aren't just two nuschas of Tfilah that you have today. There were really twelve versions of Davini. He said every Shevet used to have its own Tfilah with slight variations from each other. And Arizal says, and now which one is accepted? All of them. He says there's 12 gateways to Shemaim. Each Shevet has a Tfilah which goes through its gateway to Shemaim. But Lemaisa, when they get to Shemaim, HaKadosh Baruch listens to all of them. Hashem is Shemaim Tfilah of everybody. And therefore, to have the effect in Shemaim of Tfilah, is there a right and a wrong? No. Any valid Nusach of Tfilah gets accepted in Shemaim. Except, for our point of view, to be a tzibur, to daven together, we all need to be davening the same thing. You can't have a situation where people are davening different nuschos in the same bismarch, there won't be a minion, we can't daven together. And therefore it's not to say one is right and one is wrong, but rather we have to make a, an agreement between people what we're all going to do so that we're all serving Hashem the same way. I always, when I spend to the birds of my yeshiva, I give a much simpler motion. That is, if we're going to decide what Masechta we're going to learn next month. And one person wants Baba Kam. And the other wants Baba Matsin, and the third wants Baba Basra. So the question will be, well, what does Hashem want us to learn? And the real answer is, Hashem doesn't mind. Hashem wants people to learn Torah. If you learn Baba Kam, Baba Matsin, Baba Basra, it's all good by Him. You're learning Torah. So what should we do? So we should let everyone do what they want. And we'll have part of the yeshiva learning this myself and part of the yeshiva. No, you can't run a yeshiva like that. And therefore we have to make an agreement between ourselves what we're going to learn down here. So we're working together. We're learning together. But it's not a question which affects Hashem, so to speak. Because as far as he's concerned, it's all Torah. It's just not a functional yeshiva if every three boys are learning a different masechta. And that's the aside here as well. And that is, there has to be a, a, so to speak, a principle in place, the infrastructure in place of how we're going to decide what to do. Because we need to enforce the class, we'll all do the same thing. And therefore there has to be a Sanhedrin Agadal, there has to be a concept of a Roif, or even a concept of a Halach in a certain place, that's going to dictate what everyone has to do in their place. Not to say that the other opinion doesn't have validity and can't work in Shemaim, it can. But as a decision of what we're going to do, we have to come to a decision. Which is going to obligate everybody within that framework, in that place, under the authority of that person, to act a certain way. And that's why the Gemara says, in the place of Rabbi Yezer, we had certain kudos in the Shabbos, which he held up here, so the people kept Shabbos based on his Pesachim. And you saw that, as the Gemara says, even the 
they were gazerous against keeping Shabbos in other places. In that place, they were permitted to continue keeping Shabbos. So obviously, in some way, Hashem was happy with the Shemir Shabbos. Even though, according to Chachamim, what they were doing was awesome. So that's to be a factor of what determines whether it's the, the, the time, the place, the majority of the Chachmei Adar, what the, what the Psaq is going to be, and that obligates everybody. And this can change. One generation, the Psaq will be one way. A different generation can be something else. Was some, did somebody do something wrong? The answer is no. They were both valid options. And therefore, in Shem, as far as Shemayim is concerned, they'll both bring her out. The result, they're meant to bring her back. If that's the case, then the idea of Asuki Shemayim Talib seems very arbitrary. Random, even. That, you know, we'll just decide what to do and that's what we'll do. It could be this, it could be that. But if most of us want to do one way, so then that's what we're going to decide and that's what everyone will do. But really, either option's good. Now I understand another point here as well. And that is that we know that HaKadosh Baruch Hu runs the world with different meters. Different generations, different centuries, different time periods. There's a difference on how Hashem runs the world. Sometimes it's more b'chesed, sometimes it's more b'din, sometimes it's with malchus. But that doesn't just affect the way Hashem runs the world. To some extent, it also affects the way we meant to Pascha. This is a big sugya. Maybe it's not now time to elaborate on completely. But basically, it's meant to, one's meant to parallel the other one. And therefore, at a time when this is the hog in the world, it's going to influence in some way the way that we meant to keep the Torah to. That doesn't mean they're different mitzvahs or they're new mitzvahs. No. Mitzvahs are all given at Sinai, nothing ever changed. But, it could be that in different dairas, the way we meant to do the mitzvah will be different. And then we can go back to what I said before. HaKadosh Baruch Hu left the mitzvahs in a certain sense ambiguous because there's more than one way to fulfill them. And therefore, in different generations, the way which is ex- we're expected to fulfill the mitzvah will be different, but it's not changing the Torah. Because all the possibilities are already incorporated in what the Torah said. And if that's the case, what's going to determine the Valacha? So there we have, like we said, the infrastructure in place. Whether it's the Rav or it's Marida uh, Asher, the person in charge of the Valacha in that place, and what they're going to base it on, there's a certain Siyat Dishmai of how Hashem wants the Psak to be. There's a certain Siyat Dishmai of how Hashem wants the Psak to be, and therefore that will be the way that in that door the Chacham will come out. To explain that halacha, that's the psak. And it could be in a different door, it will be different. And it could be that it's meant to be like that. And in a different door, it's meant to be different. And that's why there were stories of Akharinim, a number of them who said that to pass on something which wasn't practical, it never said Nishmai. Why? Because, and this is the principle said previously. The Siyatah Dishmai and Psak is the way Hashem wants it to come out. And therefore we can discuss the Sugya and kind of go through the options. But that Siyatah Dishmai, this is the way Hashem wants it to be, it might only be practical in a case where there's enough community how Hashem wants it to be. 
If a person learns from the Shachayim, he's saying, a person wants to be zeichut to the Shachayim. He wants to be able to come out alibur de that he understands what's meant to be the psak. The prerequisite for that is that a person goes into learning wanting to do what Hashem wants. The more that a person wants to do what Hashem wants, that's his focus. So then the more he can express the Yad that Hashem will help show him what he wants. And that's what he says a few times. So the instead of being connected to Lassus with Sayyidina. Because I'm learning the Shogi and I can see a number of ways of understanding what, what the Torah is telling us. But I'm looking to see which one of them do you want, which one do you want us to make? What's the Ritzayna? And the more that's a person's focus, the more they'll be zeicha to understand or to be given in Sayyid Shema to know which way Hashem wants it to be. What Ritzayna is. That's really the principle. I want to add one more point. And that is, there's a Gemara. The Gemara is talking about a Sugya which isn't practical these days. It will only be practical when there will be a Besam Ekdash. And Rav Yosef passed a certain way in that Sugya. And on that, it's time to buy Asim Hilchasa and Mashiachah. Why are you passing Halacha now for the Bina Tab Mashiachah? It's not practical now. And the question about it is, so what? I'm learning a sugya, and I'm telling you what Allah is. You're practical or not? I'm coming out, this is, I'm, I'm busy learning what, what's meant to be, what the Torah had in mind. What's the Bible asking questions about? Can you ask on the Rambam? The Rambam wrote Karbanus, and he wrote Avoida, and he wrote Svarim, on what's going to be when the best ministry is built. And you have to ask them, how could you Paskan? And say, Ghassan and Mashiach? The Mashmaus is, we have to learn it now already. It's the Torah we give it now. We have to know what the Torah wants, what the Torah means. Not only that, I've heard it said, when the Gemara signs off an argument, and the Gemara says, we have no way to resolve the argument, Teiku, which, as everyone knows, is We don't know, we can't prove it. One day we'll ask Eliyahu So that's an interesting question. I've heard it asked, why do we say this specifically in these cases that Eliyahu will answer? If I wait in land to ask Eliyahu and I can ask him anything I want. Even things that maybe there are other Gemara's about. But I have Eliyahu and Avya, I just ask him what he says. And the answer they give is questions like that Eliyahu won't answer. Something you could have worked out the answer for yourself. If you had learned a bit harder or thought a bit more, or than a better Chazar, you would know what the answer is. Eliyahu is not a crutch to repress Torah learning. Questions like, questions like that Eliyahu can't answer. It's only where we've exhausted all the possible proofs. And Chazal decided there's no way for us to think more into this topic, to know what Halach is. Then we're allowed to ask Eliyahu. Then it's in the category of questions that Eliyahu can answer. So that's the case. So of course, if you're learning a sugi, you must try and come out what Talak is. And if it's not practical today, it'll only be in the time of Shaykh, what's the difference? So I have to explain the argument is like this. If Yosef hold that when it comes to being a sukkah shmai, the Rebbe did 
understanding what HaKadosh Baruch Hu wanted the Alakha to be, we can apply that to the base of Mikdash too. Right now we don't have a base of Mikdash, but maybe the base of Mikdash will be built now. And if that's the case, this is what Hashem would want us to do. And if I can use that prayer of Ritzayinav, think what Hashem wants us to do, to understand in these situations also what would be what Hashem would want us to do. What would be the correct Akhra out of the options. And Abayah's answer tells the Mashiach is not. Even if Mashiach would come now, but when Mashiach comes, we'll come with a different Tanhaga. And therefore, not necessarily what we can decide now is Ritzayinav will be Ritzayinav when Mashiach comes. And therefore, when it comes to redacting a halacha which is straightforward, which is what's clear in the Gemara, or in the Pasuk, of course we can make a compendium of halachas which we know about, which left the Vakayim Mashiach comes, and that's what the Rabbim did do. The question just revolves about those halachas which need shekel adas, which needs a person to be able to come to the understanding of out of the options that there are, this is what I think Hashem wants. And like we said, normally the skill set for that is Yerushimai, is wanting to do Ritzayinai. And the more a person's focused on Hashem, I want to do Ritzayinchah. So I look at every suga as, what is Ritzayinchah? What do you want us to do? And that's the way that a person can be zoiche. To the Siyat I'm coming to the conclusion that this is what Hashem wants us to do. And therefore, out of the options of how to interpret the Torah, this is the one which we, in this story, we have to go with the Allah. And if yes, we just took it a step further. And he said, therefore, we can apply it to Mashiach too. Based on the Dorat, now if Mashiach will come, we will come to the conclusion this, will, this is the way we have to keep the mitzvah. And Abai argues about that. But either way around, we learn to us. What we've understood today is the concept of preparing a person to be given the Siyat al to Paskan. Is the amount that a person, Lechatkhila, sets out to learn in order to know this is what Hashem wants us to do. He wants to know what to do. The other halakhim of Torah too, there's like the Yenav Shachar is going to talk about them, but in the field of halakha, so that's the maila of what's necessary first that will enable a person to be matzliach when he afterwards he comes to learn.